This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. This is Mike, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Welcome to the latest episode of The Obsessive Euro, where a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com. Uh, check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com. And uh, also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. Um, how's it going, guys? Wonderful. It's pretty good. It's very nice. Sunburned. I have raccoon eyes. I, <laughs> I'm a. Did I'm you a, notice? I, a little bit. <laughs> I uh, I was outside for like a few minutes yesterday, or not a few minutes, but I, w- I went to a um, an event in in Indianapolis uh, on Saturday, and uh, like the whole time I was like, it's really nice and sunny. And I'm like, you know, I never go outside, so this will be nice to give me some color and everything. I got a sunburn on the back of my neck, and that's basically it. <laughs> yeah. So got a redneck burn. Yeah, I was just like, all right, cool. I like that you. Uh, <laughs> I like that you said that it'll give me some color. <laughs> exactly. I won't, like a, I won't look like a cave dweller. <laughs> I won't look like an obsessive viewer. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, before we get started on this week's episode, I do want to make uh, a couple of announcements. First of all, uh, Will, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith are not divorcing. They're not? No. Good. I did not hear I about th- that. I thought that was the announcement you are going to make. I'm kidding. No, 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 no. <laughs> Wait, are, are you kidding about them not divorcing? They are not divorcing. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I really don't care either way. Um, but no, the announcements are that, uh, as we've been saying, uh, Shocktober Irvington. October 16th. Find more information at sharktobernervington.com. Uh, we have a lot of fun stuff planned for the evening. So if you're in the Indian, in the Indianapolis area, come check it out. It'll be a lot of fun. And also, um, you may notice on the feed for Obsessive Viewer the, earlier this week, uh, today, actually, Monday, the day that we're recording, uh, I released the first episode of my solo side project podcast anthology. So hopefully you guys liked it. And hopefully when the podcast gets... Um, accepted onto iTunes, you uh, will subscribe and check it out. Um, for those not know, in, not in the know, Anthology is a solo project, uh, so, solo project that I started, and it's a podcast exploring science fiction anthology television during TV's golden age, starting with the Twilight Zone. So, having said that, yes, what did you guys think of Anthology? Um, <laughs> TV's golden age, huh? Yeah, is that a is that a widely considered? It's uh, a widely widely used phrase, isn't it? Is it like the fifties yeah. and sixties? I'm like ninety percent sure. I probably should have done my due diligence before I did all of the. Uh, I don't think you're wrong. Stuff for it. I don't think so either. Because yeah, we're in like a new golden age of TV. Yeah, yeah I've, I figured yeah. that. I don't yeah. know. I guess. Yeah, I think I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just. I I don't know. Oh well, you know. I think that's a I'm common colloquialism. Yeah, if yeah, I'm sure <laughs> it's me talking about the Twilight Zone, and I'm pretty sure, like in the first episode, for about half of it, I referred to Rod Sterling as Rod Sterling. So <laughs> I'm not above being uh, corrected on my mistakes. 
I've actually heard the first episode. You sent us a, a pre pre screening. So. I did. I I uh, wanted feedback from you on it. Yes, and it was. I'm excited for it. It was good. Nice. Thank you. Thank it you. It was good. That's what I was fishing for. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so so what we're doing this week is, if you guys remember, longtime listeners will know, episode 100, we did our uh, fake movie game where we each put forth a title for a fake movie and we basically pitched the plot for it. We kind of went, went around and kind of um, brainstormed a plot and synopsis and all that stuff. So this week we are doing something similar, but since it's the second time we're doing this game, um, we decided to do the fake sequel game. And, uh, you know, think about, to frame it this way, if you think about it, like, say, The Terminator and Alien. Both movies were, uh, like, Alien was a horror movie, and uh, The Terminator was was a sci-fi action thriller, uh, kind of like a slasher kind of, kind of um, dressing for it. And then they both each had sequels that were different. So Aliens was more of an action war movie kind of thing, and T2 was more like a an action chase movie, basically. Um, so uh, following that line of logic for this fake sequel game, what we're doing is we're basically taking a movie that doesn't have a sequel. I, I don't think you guys have any of that uh, are franchised. But um, we're taking no, a movie. No, but there were times I considered doing like a part four or a part, or part five. I kind of, you know. <laughs> One of mine is. Oh, nice. Sorry. Well, then there th- we go. That's no, the thing. Fine. I, ha- I like I was telling you guys before we started recording. I really struggled to find a third third movie because like damn near every movie has a sequel. Yeah, <laughs> and I was just I was kind of at a loss. But um, so it's no problem. But uh, what we're doing to kind of put a spin on it is we're going to each time we put forth a title, we each have subtitles for the for the sequels that we're making up, and uh, we're going to put. We're going to assign a different genre than what the original was, so that'll probably spice things up a bit. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Did okay. I did I not mention that? Yeah, no, I, I that's, didn't know that that's either. Fine. Oh crap. Okay. I I think I think I mentioned it, but I think it was like in a wall of text. So yeah, you might yeah. Have, I don't know. So anyway, that's guys, right. we're gonna switch that's up right. the genres a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. So. So much like the. Uh, the fake movie game. I'm kind of not nervous, but I'm kind of like this is uncharted territory for us. So, um, who wants to go first? I can't well, I can I, go first. Do you you want to go first? Sure, it doesn't matter. Okay. I was gonna say I'd love to, but really, the fun is not saying your movie. The fun is riffing. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. So, I want to go first, and that tiny give us a movie. Right. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Cool. Yeah. Oh, and I think you're go- you're both gonna love this one. Okay. okay. And uh, and b- real quick, um. When we say the movie, just for sake of listeners and everything, give like a brief, like really brief, like elevator pitch summary of uh, of the the plot of the original movie, just so people can okay. have some context for it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My first one does jump genres, so this will be nice. It also jumps ship, and that's because it is Titanic Two: Barnacles from Hell. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, the what first is it? Barnacle what? Barnacles from Hell. Okay, Barnacles hmm. from Hell. Gotcha. Obviously, I think everybody knows what Titanic is. You know, right. the James Cameron movie <laughs> from 1997 where Leo DiCaprio falls in love with Kate Winslet. After three days. After three days on, and, uh, on the ship and it sinks and it's mm. too long and yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. James Cameron. <laughs> Did we really just on Titanic? I love Titanic. <laughs> 
Oh, I like it too. I actually kind of love it too, but it's okay. it has many flaws. It's yeah, one of it's, it's one of the more palatable of uh, James Cameron's work for me. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, not a not a James Cameron trend. So, all right. Well, Barnacles from Hell yes. is undoubtedly a, a horror thriller. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So it, would it be a period piece, or will we push it uh, into the present day? I guess that's up to us. I don't think we push it. Um, no, it's not. It's not like the the uh, the John. Is it John Paxton? Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Yeah. God damn it. Billy. Pax. I keep thinking like John Saxon. Oh anyway. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So Bill Paxton. It's not like that. It's not '90s present day. Right. Obviously, it's not now present day. But it's in like, let's see, Titanic sank in 1912. So it's like 30 years later, right? It's 1942. Okay. So, so we're out of the depression. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Kate Winslet Rose returns <laughs> uh to the the spot of the devastation. We don't we didn't actually find this out in the original Titanic, but obviously we know <laughs> she was still alive. So what's interesting about this movie is that it, it's going to fill in some of the blanks and why mm-hmm. um she she kind of tried to come out again as uh uh Rose Dawson Mm-hmm. but was kind of afraid because of the events from Barnacles from Hell. Okay. Okay, so that's why she receded into uh, kind of hidden, hiding her identity a bit, Ex- I guess. Exactly, okay. exactly. And if I could jump off of that for a bit, um, I'd say that she goes back because she want, she's about to remarry, she's, or she's about to marry the guy that she was married to, that, or that she... Uh, 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 the future future Rose was married to like she ended up having a live spoiler alert for right. Titanic, but um, so she's about to marry this guy and she decides to go back to uh, the spot where the Titanic sank just to kind of get kind of like kind of visiting Jack's grave yeah um, closure yeah exactly because she's rich as hell um, right so she can go back to that spot um. And kind of do that, and then chaos ensues. What happens, Tiny? Do you want to do you want to jump in on this or? Uh, is yeah. he allowed to? I don't know how this go. How does it? This, I don't is this know. how this game works. I think. Do let's uh let's let's well, call an audible here. Should we should we let the title give input or just do our own thing? I would think your own thing because I've had time to think about it and I kind of okay. know what direction I'd want it to go. Okay. So yeah. it's kind of cheating. Okay. Good deal. Good deal. Uh, okay. But when yeah. you guys are done, I'll throw in what I had in mind. It's okay. Okay. Simple. I like that. Okay. So yeah. she returns to the scene of the incident. Mm-hmm. First of all, and what's a, a barnacle? A it's barnacle like, is is like a it's a it's a living thing, but it's like the little things that it's kind of like uh, snail shells that grow on the side of your. Okay. Bones. It's coral. Okay. It's kind of like coral. coral. It grows on ships and stuff. Okay, yeah. I just I plead ignorance because I've all I'm I I've heard the word. I know the word and everything, yeah. but I'm I'm always kind of just dumb about what it was. So right, right. We learned something here on the obsessive viewer. Yeah. So yeah, so she returns to the sinking of the Titanic, to the to the uh, the area in the sea. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, do, would you say that she is uh, has like a um. What's the word I'm looking for? Like a like an adrenaline rush kind of thing, an adrenaline junkie. Now that she's she survived the greatest one of the greatest catastrophes on uh, in history, so she wants. She to does. Go. It's nothing has been the same since. Yeah. Love has not been the same. Mm-hmm. Adventure has not been the same, and so she wants to get into a little adventure. And of course, mm-hmm. she finds adventure in barnacles from hell. Okay. Um. So the barnacles on the bottom of this boat 
are communicating with the barnacles that have begun to grow on the Titanic. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Um, which are controlled by the ghosts of the deceased from the sunk Titanic. <laughs> uh, and so they begin to take over the boat. Okay. It's a creature feature. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So are, do these spirit, do, do like the ghosts of the deceased, do they have like a apparitions on the ship and what side like is she on a replica of the titanic or is this like a kind of no 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 okay. no no it's a it's a much smaller like um, a yacht basically yeah exactly yeah. exactly okay uh safer smaller mm-hmm. safer and so yeah i i think the ghosts um um well it what it is is it seems like the barnacles are the things taking over the ships but mm-hmm. really the bar- i mean barnacles are barnacles they're possessed by the spirits of uh the the deceased from well naturally uh, the they're deceased. just a vessel yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly yeah. the question is mm-hmm. does she sees uh, a jack by the end of the movie ah i i would say yes and also i think we, she has to right? yeah i i think he is the he's the he's the lone spirit that's that's like all not cool with possessing the barnacles and he, she needs to find him to release um her new love and her new ship uh, from the control of the barnacles as they they're trying to drag them down into the bottom exactly. of the ocean and he saves the day also exactly right. yeah and can we make the inciting incident like the the big moment where we realize that something is going down be uh okay you guys remember in spider-man 2 when mary jane was like engaged to uh j jonah Jam- jameson's son in... yeah that's the third one is it that's the third one yeah yeah really yeah over there in Gajd. No, you're right. It is the second it, one. It was the is second. It? Yeah, oh, it was right. the second she one. Back, she comes back. Yeah, because there's that scene where what's uh, where, where Peter Parker is uh, photographing the ball and uh, yes. dashboard confessionals playing. But anyway, um, <laughs> there's a scene where she like she and him are kind of goofing off and stuff, and then she tries to replicate the kiss, the upside down kiss from the first movie, and then he's all like, "Oh, dude, what are you doing?" Mm-hmm. Uh, the inciting incident of Titanic Two: Barnacles from Hell is. Rose is trying to recreate the I'm king of the world scene um, with with her new bow. And then that's when they realize like the barnacles are what what do the barnacles do? Do they they do they clamor up into the ship and, and attack people like face like the face huggers and they're alien? like face huggers. Yes. OK, I like that. Nice. So does Rose's new man survive or does he die? Well, ultimately, he's a good man, and ultimately, mm-hmm. the the um, climax of the film is that Leo, uh, Le- the ghost of Leo's character Jack, <laughs> ex- accepts that this man is uh, at least good enough for, right. for Rose. Is banging his girl? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. Okay. Nice. So, is that it? Do we have any more? Any more to any more things to hammer I out? I think or that's should we, good. Or should we take this to the executive who pitched the title? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, Tiny, we have a movie. What yes. What do you think? Did we get funding? Pretty good, I think so. Oh, nice. I in my head, I had I was envisioning um, it involved a couple different a couple different plot scenarios, but they all involved the reanimated corpses of the dead people from <laughs> Titanic, and they were covered in barnacles because they had been on the ocean floor, of course. Ah. Um, and my favorite one is that they just try to take revenge on the White Star Line company, <laughs> which is funny because I think they went under within a couple of years of Titanic <laughs> for obvious reasons. It went yeah. under. They went under. God damn it. That, they just really sank that company. Um, 
Oh, God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. But another one, you know, another scenario is that the the, uh, the reanimated corpse of Jack Dawson uh, comes after the diamond. And it's <laughs> all, it's all, it's actually, it all takes place on the side story of James Cameron's Titanic, where <laughs> the reason she drops the diamond into the ocean is to keep the reanimated corpses from attacking the whole ship and killing everyone. <laughs> but we just don't see that in James Cameron's version. <laughs> nice. So really, she was just insane. Or she was just really scared. Right. That's why she dropped it in there. I like that. There's yeah, there's a hidden good. horror yeah, movie I like there. That. <laughs> Do you guys remember that uh, YouTube video that was, that was uh, basically... Jack Dawson is like they discover his body and he's frozen and then he gets unfro he gets thawed out in present day, um and then they, they made they cut a whole trailer with just a bunch of different scenes from different uh, uh Leo movies that makes it look like it's Jack Dawson trying to survive in modern day New York and it's it's really funny I'll dig it up mm. and throw it in the show notes but it's pretty funny <laughs> nice um let's see who should go next Mike or me I choose I'll do, Mike I'll go I choose okay. Mike. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Tiny. <laughs> <laughs> well, he hasn't been here in a while. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Oh, man. Man, I have some fun ones. I, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out what order I want to do these in. Um, okay. This is a 1990s set sequel. I guess it would be late. Late 1990s set sequel. Uh to the film version of Rent called Rent <laughs> to the Streets. Rent <laughs> to the Streets. Uh, before we get started. Did you guys see Rent? Are you familiar with Rent? Oh, yeah. You're not. Okay. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I own it. It's a good movie. Uh, I actually saw it with It is good. With you, I really Mike. like it a lot. Yeah. Uh, Rent to the Streets. Uh, Tiny. Should this be a meld of Rent and Step Up 2? Um... Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking... Uh, Wait, first let's hammer down genre. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and Mike, do you want to give a brief uh, rundown of the, of, the, of the plot of Rent for the two people that don't know it? Yeah, Rent is a, originally a stage musical sent, uh, set in the height of the... Um, AIDS epidemic. The AIDS epidemic in the the late 1980s. Uh, the cast consists of I don't know the number six to eight something like eight uh, friends who are afflicted uh, by the disease in various ways, uh, and it's about their relationships. And it's basically about uh, a year in the life of all of these characters, or five hundred. 25,600 yeah. minutes. minutes. Um, <laughs> so, Tiny, uh, fun family romp? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like... Uh, Remember, we need to switch the genre. Right. I was thinking like espionage thriller. Because okay. they okay. have... So they find out that someone is actually has a cure for AIDS, mm -hmm. but they're not producing it because it's, it's the classic... Uh, big pharma conspiracy you hear about okay. where you know they have cures to all these awful diseases but they don't produce them because they make more money selling things that just make them just treat the symptoms mm -hmm. you know that classic uh conspiracy right and so it's about it's about um i don't know uh one of the main characters let's say anthony rap okay who's the blonde guy who shoots the documentary throughout it yeah he's on a bicycle a lot i guess is he his girlfriend goes lesbian 
Yes, yes. I don't remember uh, the character's name. Mike, do you have a name for Anthony Rapp's character? Oh, f- I believe that's the actor's <laughs> name. I think it's Anthony Rapp. Anthony yeah. Rapp is the actor. Uh, the yeah. actor's name. He was in the stage play as well. The only one I can yes. remember the name of is uh, well, Maureen. Well, Maureen is his girl. Yeah. Friend. And then. Uh, or no, Maureen is the girlfriend. Is is his former girlfriend? Right. The kind of bitchy yeah. girl. Yeah. Yeah. Adina Menzel. Adina Menzel. Is that her? Yep. Oh wow. Uh-huh. Adele doesn't. Mark Cohen. Yeah. Mark. Mark Cohen. Mark Cohen. Okay, so. Should we say that Mark Cohen is on a uh, on a crusade to document, like to create this uh, this documentary exposing Big Pharma? I think he goes undercover on the streets. N- <laughs> I think it's like a it's it's kind of like a um uh, uh gosh what's it called um oh man like like business espionage what's it called um. Like where one one person works for a company and they go undercover to, for another company, their competitor, to try to take them down from within. What is that called? Corporate espionage. Corporate espionage. I think is that's it? what. It, yeah, okay. corporate espionage. Huh. So like he, he tries to infiltrate the farm, the pharmacological company that has the cure for, for AIDS, mm-hmm. and he's trying to uh, steal it and bring it to another company, maybe in Europe or something, where mm-hmm. they'll produce it and save his friends. The big conflict of the movie. Is that once he infiltrates the the corporation, he realizes he makes a lot of really good money and he can afford to pay rent. <laughs> so he's conflicted on whether or not he That's should move forward, <laughs> or oh my god, or uh, or abandon his bohemian lifestyle kind of thing from the first movie and uh, and just pay rent. Um, He's like one hundred thousand six hundred fifty dollars. Right. How do you measure measure a salary? <laughs> oh my god, oh, that is awesome! Really good. Yeah. So, okay, so we've got the conflict, we've got the setup. Um, let's see. Uh, will it? Will it? It will be a musical. A musical act. Correct. Okay. Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're we're flipping genres, but we need to keep the essence. Uh, much mm-hmm. like you know, Titanic two kept the essence of of you know, right? Dead Leo DiCaprio. Um. <laughs> so, so um. Let's see. Mike, the char- the uh, uh uh that one character, the one guy, is it Jones? The guy that gets beat up. Collins. 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 There you go. Collins. So Collins is. Let's see. He, uh, what is the relationship between Collins and Mark Cohen? Oh, no, no, wait. Okay. They were roommates. They, yeah, they've been friends for a while. They were, were they roommates? I think they were roommates in the I movie. I think so. Well, oh, he and, and Roger, Collins. Mark and Roger are roommates. I don't know mm. that, I don't think Collins necessarily lives with them. Okay, Didn't you're right. Collins get like a big job or something and then he was kind of ostracized from their little Collins behemoths. is a teacher. Okay, oh, okay. Oh, are you thinking of? You're thinking of uh, Tay Diggs. You're thinking of Benny, Tay Diggs. Okay, so yeah. Tay Diggs was was ostracized from them because he got a big job with corporate. He sold out. Yeah, he sold out. He sold and out. then uh, at the end of the first movie, spoiler alert, did he did he kind of embrace his roots and in, in, in their lifestyle, or did he kind of stay the same or help them or what was it? He kind of stayed the same. He didn't okay. change much. <laughs> yeah, he really didn't. Okay. Um. Well, let's see. Was he was he at Angel's funeral? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember either. It's been so long since I've seen this movie. Like back yeah. when we were at USI. Um, yeah. So okay. So let's say that Maureen, uh, Mark's ex-girlfriend, is working for Big Pharma. Let's just throw that out there. Um, 
I guess. I don't know. Should should that be should there be a love story in this movie, Tiny? There can't not be, really. Right. There has to be something. I was thinking that the CEO of the evil pharmacological corporation is one of Colin's former students, like mm-hmm. a protege. Nice. And so there's some conflict there because Mark Cohen and Collins are buddies, but Collins like, no, this is my protege. You're not going to screw him over or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> okay. That doesn't make sense though, really. Because... So at the end of the day, should we just say that the that the major conflict of the movie is solved with a big musical number? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, who should pen? Who should who should write the lyrics to it? Can it be a Kanye song? I think it is, it is a Kanye it song. It is The yes. Streets, T-H-A Streets. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. Wow. Okay, so uh, is there anything else we need to we need to delve into with this, or do we have kind of a movie here? We have kind of a movie. It's, kind of a movie. It's not very good. Okay, should we pitch it to the to the executive? Yeah. Mike, rent to Well, I gotta say, streets. boys, it's not what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, uh, what did you have in mind? Well, I... I think I I think I uh wrote my initial treatment before I knew that we had to switch up genres. So uh-huh. <laughs> uh I I I pitched it to myself. I wrote it as uh like th- whatever happened in the events of the first one are not successful. So they're living literally on the streets now. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Um but I think we can take some elements of what you have as long as long as we keep in mind that they are on hard times and that's what that's what this sucker's about. That's yes. what the kids want to see. Yes. So how do you feel about our our movie pitch? Uh I'm gonna pass on it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pass on it too. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think we need to go back to the drawing board on this one, guys. <laughs> yeah, probably. Right, we got we'll, a killer name. We got a we, we got a few kernels. We'll, Guys, we'll, we don't even remember the character names. I know. Yeah. Let's go back to the drawing board. <laughs> it can be a direct to DVD sequel where they just they just dance instead of sing. Yeah. Um. I say pass on this one. Okay. Matt pitch us something. All right. So this movie uh I, I the in terms of genre flipping, I may be leading uh I may be uh Leading, leading you guys into something here, but um, okay, I'll just say it. Accepted to the South Harmon massacre. Oh my <laughs> god! Wow, romantic <laughs> comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Bear in mind, accepted is a uh, uh, mid to late two thousands um, comedy about uh, Justin Long's uh, Barnaby, who creates a fake college. Um, in a world that where community college does not exist, and uh, <laughs> he eventually gets it accredited, and it becomes a real college, the South Harmon Institute of Technology. So, what do you guys got for also, me? Also, kind of—I don't want to say his big break, but it was kind of our introduction to Jonah Hill. Yeah, a little bit. At least true. mine. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Oscar. So, okay, what? Jonah what's Hill. the massacre? What? Uh, the South Harmon massacre. Wow. South Harmon being the name of the college. Wow. Um, I'm thinking something having to do with the fact that the college is their main facility is a former insane asylum. Yeah. So <laughs> something about like the, the, the former 
uh, former patients of the hospital want their hospital back. I don't know why they would, because they probably didn't have a good time there. Um, <laughs> well, they... <laughs> They uh, it's falling apart. I'm falling apart. They moved the graves, but it turns out they actually only moved the headstones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they built. They put the football field over it. Yeah, man, I don't want to go the obvious route because this is clearly a slasher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's true. My, you know what I mean? That of course that's my inclination, but I don't. I don't want it to have to be that. But I I feel like that's where it's going. Well, there's a massacre, so. I mean, it has to be a slasher. I think it does. Yeah. Um, okay, so who was in it? Who We got to get some characters. There was Justin Long, uh, his his love interest. In By the way, I just IMDb'd it, mm-hmm. and the first thing I typed in was Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's funny. Um, Justin Long, uh, Blake Lively was his love interest. Oh, yeah, Columbus know. Short. Whatever happened to that guy? Yeah, he's done he, a lot. Of, he, he was super up and coming. Yeah. Which one was he? Was he the was he the was he the football? football yeah, guy? he's the football guy. His, yeah. his friend from high school. Okay, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, I would think that uh, Bar- Barnaby was that his name? Mm-hmm. He becomes the dean of the school, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, does he usurp uh, Lewis Black? <sighs> I guess it depends on how far the... how far in the future we are. I don't know. I was thinking he becomes the dean, and then Columbus Short becomes the head football coach, and uh, what's her fit? Blake Lively teaches photography or something because she wanted to be a photographer. I don't know. And so those are the characters that are still there. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, uh, Jonah Hill is a professor of some kind. I don't know. Those those are the characters okay. involved. Okay, here we go. What if we have a weird sci-fi crossover uh, uh, movie with Superbad where Jonah Hill plays both, his name is Sherman, and uh, Evan from Superbad? Okay? Okay. And so Evan, uh, who, who fe- is it Seth? Is he, which one's Seth and which one's Evan? I think he's, he's Seth. Seth. He's Seth. He's yeah. Seth. Okay. So Seth... Uh, he left behind by Evan decides to enroll in South Harmon and he is freaked out to find that, that a, uh, a heavier doppelganger attends that school. (laughs) Okay. And so it's, I mean, it's a comedy slasher. Okay. We're, we're Hmm. still keeping the, the tone of the first one, but the, the, the meetup of, these Jonah Hill characters, Seth and Sherman, is, of course, catastrophic. And so <laughs> the massacre uh, is in reference to the, the, the death that is left in their wake as these two duke it out. Nice. There can be only one kind of thing. <laughs> okay. There could be only one chubby friend. Exactly. <laughs> chubby funny friend. Exactly. I like it. You know, and and the ship has kind of sailed on Justin Long, so this is it's a Jonah Hill feature. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Uh, Emma Stone doesn't return. <laughs> Does Blake Lively? Blake Lively's back. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> She's pretty. Columbus Short is back. Nice. Okay. Nice. Uh, anything more you guys need, or do you want to pitch it to me? Um, I think. (laughs) 
How does it end? Where does the climax take place? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Maybe on the skateboard ramp they built in the first movie. I think so. (laughs) The half pipe, I guess that's what it's called. I think so, yeah. Well, there's... There's another... Yeah. It starts on the, the half pipe. Okay. And then there's another... There's another high school party that they that they're gonna go to, but they're too old for this high school party. You know, like knocked up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or not knocked up, super bad. Right. I was thinking it was something. It would. I just picture uh, like a Dragon Ball Z style fight at the end. I don't know why. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I didn't even watch Dragon Ball Z, but <laughs> jeez. Oh man. You get the gist. Yeah. so yeah what do you think executive all right well um you know i think you guys got something there i i like the i like the sci-fi twist of of having two two jonah hill characters from two universes duke it out um that was that was very clever i like that um i what i had in mind going like it's funny because what I had in mind was just like, oh, a massacre in the universe of like like a kind of slasher uh, massacre in, in at South Harmon Institute of Technology, which isn't a very inventive premise in any <laughs> in any respect. Um, I think I would have made the killer be um, uh, 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 what's his name? What's the character's name? Something Darwin Dunlap. Um, Abernathy Darwin Dunlap. Abernathy Darwin Dunlap. Yeah. Um, because he was kind of a kooky character. Yeah. Um, so, but I will, I will say that Tiny, when you brought up the, uh, was it, did you bring up the, uh, yeah, the mental patients yeah. wanted their hospital, their, their hospital back. Yeah. Um, that, that got the gears turning that it would be a movie about a, how they find out that it's a haunted, that like the, mm. Kind of like a. Did you guys ever see the movie Session Eight? Oh yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, I did not. Okay, well, it's about a. It's about an um, asbestos removal crew working in. Uh, working in a rundown, um, uh, insane asylum, removing asbestos, and they kind of become. It's like they figure out a taunta, and they kind of really screws with their heads and stuff. It's very, very atmospheric and creepy. So apply that to <laughs> accepted, hmm. and uh, that's that's what I was working with. But um, I think we I think we got something there um, with what you guys with, with what you guys pitched. Um, question about it: Which Jonah Hill uh, uh, prevails in this at the end of this movie? Damn! Oh man! Um, I I want to say Seth. I mean, my vote is Seth. Yeah, probably. But you know, as the great Stan Lee said, nobody ever wins in these things, <laughs> right? So they can do another one if they want to. Right. Yeah, everybody's happy. True. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Huh. Okay. My pick would have been for Sherman because I he's a much more likable character. <laughs> Seth is very vulgar and yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. True. But, you know. So all right, well that's accepted too. The South Harmon <laughs> massacre. Um, Nice. Very interesting. So, Tiny. Yes. My next selection is titled To Forest to Gump. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> okay. Um Well, this we can do anything with this one, man. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. initial thought just really do we want to do a uh, um 
Haley Joel Osment, Forrest Gump Jr., grows up and becomes a street racer. Yes. Clearly, <laughs> clearly that is what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we did anything else with that title, I think people would stop listening to the podcast. Right. Okay. Yes. Haley Joel Osment, Forrest Gump Jr., wakes up, <laughs> grows up, sorry, mm-hmm. uh, and he becomes a street racer. <laughs> and uh, And so he... He gets in a lot of street races early on in the movie, uh, but he loses a big one. And he realizes that the problem, his problem was that um, he lost himself along the way. He lost kind of his <laughs> his father's values along the way. Mm-hmm. So what he has to do is take a uh, a road trip across the country. And, of course, the line is, from that uh-huh. day forward, if I was going somewhere, I was driving. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I was thinking the exact same oh, that line. That is so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So... <laughs> On this cross-country road trip, does he? Do we carry on the essence of Forrest Gump, and do we have him stumble through, drive through um, notable, notable um, instances in history with while being completely from oblivious? 1991 to 2015? Yes, I don't know what all he could drive through in that time that, frame. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> can, can I interject? Uh, I'll allow it, yes. Okay, I was going to say, I think it should be the opposite of the original Forrest Gump, whereas he stumbles through all these huge events and his life turns into like a happy accident. I would say this kid, you know, because obviously his dad had stock in Apple, Mm -hmm. so he's like super into the Bubba Gum Shrimp Company. He's stupid rich, has an amazing, awesome, incredible life, and because he gets into street racing, his life takes downturns as he goes, stumbles through life, he gets on and his life gets ruined um huh. and you know like his dad always says life is like a box of spark plugs <laughs> you never know what you're gonna gap because you have to gap a spark plug i sure yeah. okay speedway spark plugs gear so gear um <laughs> okay okay so <laughs> that was really dumb <laughs> you know it wasn't smart um, <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so I do, we did neglect the fact that he's probably rich. Yes, yeah. I did not. I did not think of that. So he's got a. Uh, let's see. Uh, how about he finds out that his that his father fought in Vietnam, and he is searching for he's searching he, for something. Well, he wants to know his mother. He wants to get to know. His mother, because uh-huh. his mother died. Ah, uh, yes. Very young, Jenny. and so oh, he's going to he, be so disappointed. He, well, yeah, <laughs> she's awful. Jenny's awful, right. and that's I think kind of what he finds along the way. And he finds that you know his home is his home is with Forrest, his mm-hmm. father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, he has to go on the cross country road trip because anytime anytime he searches for uh, searches for like information online about about his about his mother. He he, nothing comes up because he keeps typing in Jenny instead of Jenny. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Shut up! I'm laughing way too hard at that. <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> um, okay, so he's driving cross country because he finds out that uh, uh, I can't remember. Did did Jenny's uh, dad die? Yeah. Well, surely Jenny's dad's dead by now oh yeah well i guess you're right (laughs) yeah okay 
he finds out that did she have a sister or anything? I don't remember. No, probably not. Uh, he's he's going back to he's going he's he's traveling across the country on a journey back to going through like all the stuff that she went through and and kind of seeing all the places that she went. And the final destination is her own house, like her old house. And like he wants this cathartic moment where he burns it to the ground. Well, that kind of happens in the first movie. Damn it! <laughs> I don't remember Forrest Gump that well. Yeah, I remember him bulldozing the her old her childhood home. Oh yeah. Home. Huh. Yeah. So he, uh, yeah, I got nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, while driving through Washington D.C., he accidentally, um, <laughs> he accidentally, he somehow accidentally um, tips the hat on or, or, or tips off everything that happened with the Monica Lewinsky scandal. I don't know how, but yeah, uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, wait is... a second. So he's like twelve while this is happening. Shh. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, like he would he would just notice like, oh, that that's stained. Like, uh, like he would just be like kind of a. He'd be on a White House tour. Yeah, he'd just be like, there oh, you go. notice okay. notice okay. the stained dress. Yeah, but isn't he a street racer? Not when he's twelve. Yeah, damn it. I don't know. So how old? Okay, that movie came out. So in the Street 90s. Racer is, yeah. No, we got to stick with the Street Racer because yeah. it's the it's too it's too. So it has what? to be farther in the future. <laughs> how old would he be now? I think we I think we have to. Let's let's say okay. Let's say he's eight in 1991. Okay. Right? He looks like an eight year old. He's starting sure. school. How old is Haley Joel Osment right now? He's like in his twenties or twenties, yeah, maybe yeah. twenty-five. Okay, 20s. so let's go twenty two thousand two to present day is his street racer time. Wait, how old would he be? What what year would he have gotten his license? I can't math. Um, like two thousand. If he was eight in nineteen ninety one, nineteen ninety nine, he would have gotten his. Okay. Right. Yeah. So he's he's try he's he's driving his way through the early aughts mm -hmm. and the early and I but I know I know we feel like we need to do the the events throughout history but yeah you know what I mean are are we forcing that into this bitchin' race movie or I think you know, so. you know what I'm saying yeah I think so like, true we it's can just true. have like a montage of him. Okay, he's cursed. Like that—that's why he's—that's why he's driving across country because he's trying to get away from his father. Because like, it, like Forrest has this weird, this weird pull where like he is, like it's this curse where he is, he's automatically around historical events. And after, uh, oh my God, I just thought of something terrible. Oh God, nine eleven, right? Yep. After nine eleven, Haley Joel Osment's like, I'm getting out of here. I can't be around you anymore. I need to go my own way because horrible things are happening. I ruined this intern at the White House's life because you took me on a on a on a trip to see the White House, and now nine eleven's happened. I can't be around you. So he's driving across country to get away from uh, Forrest, who is running after him to find him again. <laughs> That's funny. I yeah. What do you think of that, Mike? I think we're all over the place. Yeah, we are. Yeah, I think pull it back in a little bit. We've okay. taken a long walk from two two gump two forest. What is it? Two, two forest, forest two gump. <laughs> too fast, two forest. Two forest, two gump. <laughs> two forest, two gump. Okay. I would say he's just rebellious because his father was overly possessive because his father's everyone his father ever loved died, mm -hmm. except for Lieutenant Dan maybe. But like his mom died, Jenny died. Sad. 
Spoiler yeah. alert, obviously. That's that's moving a little far away from the kick-ass road trip movie, <laughs> Tiny. Well, no, but he, he turns his rebelliousness into being a street racer, and he okay. he gets on the street racer circuit. It'd be kind of like Need for Speed, but with Forrest Gump Jr. A plot. Um, I, <laughs> I, that's not even fair. I haven't even seen Need for Speed. Um, <laughs> Something like that. Okay. I'm, I kind of like this uh, escaping historical events thing. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, escaping them? Escaping them, yeah. Like uh Okay, okay. So maybe this thing I, I think I think we're gonna have to push this thing thirty years. I think this comes out in twenty twenty thirty or twenty thirty five. Yeah. Really? Okay. In order to get enough events. Well, I'm I'm just saying that the inciting incident would be that he's fed up with um or sped up. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> he's fed up with uh forest being around for like that like that that's what i was talking about that, that forest is a uh a vortex of historical events surrounds him right and that too like he's trying to escape he's trying to leave the nest but forest is attached to him because he's the only thing that he has left in his life but anytime he's around him he's stumbling across these historical events little forest Hilly Osman just wants to live his life. He's at the center of all these historical events. Now we're in the age of Twitter, viral videos and stuff. He's popping up all over the place. The, C- the CIA is going after him, and Homeland Security is trying to figure out why he's at the epicenter of all of these events. And uh, he's just trying to escape it through, through the only way he knows how is driving. Yes. Um, that's, that's, my, that's my thought. Mike, what do you think? I think I think yeah. <laughs> I picture Forrest. I, I feel like we have so many parts. Yeah. I picture Forrest Senior running at the the Boston Marathon in 2013. Because mm. oh. he loves to run, mm. you know. He does. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Oof. And then Forrest Junior's like, "It always happens around you. <laughs> What's wrong with you, Dad?" Whew. It's okay, Forrest. Let's get some chocolate. <laughs> Let's get some chocolate. I think that should we should just close this one out. Then. Yeah, this is a rough yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, executive, what do you think? Um, I would I would buy the kick ass the kick ass street racer movie, <laughs> starring Forrest Gump Jr. I'd buy it. I mean, that'd be okay. I'd go see it. Okay. I'll give you guys forty million. <laughs> Not a lot these days. That's like Tokyo yeah. Drift money. We <laughs> um, can get it. <laughs> well, Haley Joel Osmond's won't be that expensive. So. No, not so much. Okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, uh, Mike, is it your turn? It is my turn. Yeah. yeah. I think this is a natural sequel to a movie that I used to love, but uh, in the last couple of years I've grown to hate because of one of the main characters. And I would really, really like to see this movie. It's called Ferris Bueller 2, Cameron's Revenge. Ooh, <laughs> nice. Ooh, you know, I almost picked Ferris Bueller's too, Ferris Bueller 2 because um, I kept thinking of that Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Tiny, what? let's say... Let's hammer down a, a genre. Cameron's Revenge at the end of at the end of the first Ferris Bueller's Day Off at the end of the first movie. Spoilers, everyone. Uh, Cameron's dad's car is destroyed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Cameron's Revenge would be the sequel. I think it would be like I think I don't think it would be horror. I think mm-hmm. it would be like thriller, mm-hmm. and it would be like Cameron. It'd be like a it'd be like a mashup of Ferris Ferris Bueller's Day Off and the movie Collateral. Where Cam- yeah. Cameron's like Tom Cruise, <laughs> and he forces 
Ferris to take a day off from work <laughs> and in the process just like just brings his whole world crashing down like he it would makes, be like a, he a makes reversal him, yes he makes him he makes him watch from the car while cameron sleeps with his wife and ruins his marriage this is awesome that makes me so happy <laughs> and he uh is he, his wife mia sarah from the first movie yeah okay yeah i think okay. so um and what else does he do um he probably, uh, he would do something to his kids. Jesus Christ. Which is just awful. Like, just to get his kids expelled from school or something. Okay. Like, pull, pull a huge prank at the school, but leave his son's fingerprints at the crime scene. Yes. Something like that like and get his uh, son expelled. Holy crap. Okay, so is this present day, then? Uh, or this would be probably maybe ten years in the past, I would think. Yeah, something like that. Ten or t- so that yeah. the, it's his kids would be it's the nineties. His kids yeah. would be the same age they were in the first movie. Okay. Yeah. So Cameron would do something to screw up his son's college transcripts so he doesn't get into college. <laughs> something like that. So Cameron's on a on a revenge kick. Yes. And uh, he's trying to ruin uh, Ferris's life because at the end of the first movie, what what we didn't see was that. Cameron's dad mercilessly beat him for several, <laughs> several years. Yes, and he never got over it. And uh, <laughs> like, if you think of, if you think of the scene in the first movie where he's catatonic because he's freaking out, <laughs> it's like that was his, the rest of his teenage years was just that kind of catatonic state, state where all he thought about was uh, was Ferris Bueller's girlfriend naked, and also <laughs> Ferris and how he ruined his life. So he's been building this up for a couple decades, probably, and. Uh, so okay, so then let's see, he makes him watch him have sex with his wife from the car. <laughs> um, uh, he oh my okay, it's Chicago. It would be it'd still be based in Chicago, of course. Um, uh, let's see, something about the parade. There would have to be a parade, a callback to that. But it would have to be oh, it would be uh, okay, okay. <laughs> Cameron has taken one of Ferris's kids. Okay. And he is forcing he's forcing Ferris to recreate their day off. Yes. And he has to go through the parade and he has to sing Twist and Shout. <laughs> but this is and I hate oh my god I'm I don't want to make this comparison, but it's a it's a post Boston Marathon bombing <sighs> yeah. world. So he can't just run up onto a onto a onto right. a float and start start singing and dancing. Yeah. So there's very much there's very there's very strict uh, uh, security in place. So he's basically, essentially, he's escaping. Like, it reaches a point where he's escaping from the authorities while chasing after Cameron, who has his kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, where does this culminate? Where does... Uh, the climax... The climax is... Uh, this is f***ing dark. Um, <laughs> he, th- like, before before we get to the... Before we come to the characters where they are now, we find... Uh, um, we find out in the end that before all this, uh, Cameron had been um, using social media and other various forms of identity theft to make Ferris Bueller look like a Muslim, like he converted converted to Islam. Okay. And he makes him uh, crash a – he forces him with both of them in the car to crash a vehicle full of explosives into the Sears Tower. And the vehicle is a 60s Porsche, just like his dad's. <laughs> 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 Holy shit. And so he's and so Ferris Bueller goes down in history as a Islamic terrorist. Wow, that Ooh. is so dark. 
That is. It's actually very, I kind of stole the ending from the movie Arlington Road. Oh, is that how that happens? Sort of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, basically that's what happens. I don't think we really need the Muslim thing. But just, a, just a terrorist. Yeah. Maybe like an anti-government terrorist, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to be Muslim, but okay. whatever. Yeah. That was just an example. I, yeah, I like the idea of the terrorism. Because yeah. he kind of is a terrorist. He, he is. is a social terrorist. He, he is. is. <laughs> He's a... Uh, I kind of want to watch Arlington Road now, but it's um, a decent movie. Nice. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Uh, it's dark. Yeah. Very dark thriller. So okay. So he. So he forces. Okay. So so he forces. He orchestrates things. So Ferris drives into the Sears Tower. Yeah. And uh, so what happens to Ferris's wife and his kids? Cameron ends up with him and becomes their stepfather. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> wow. I know. Okay. I, that, I took that really dark. The most important part of it, though, does Ferris lose his job? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure they're quick to disown the companies. Right. Quick to disown him. Whew. After, you know, the terrorism stuff. I I think we got a movie. I will say that his job should be that he's the sausage sausage king of Chicago. Like that should be his job. That he's, isn't that... Sausage king. Wasn't that part of the movie? I don't remember. I haven't seen it in so long. What's that? The sausage king of Chicago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just a, a minor thing is that Ferris is now the sausage king of Chicago. Okay. Um, yeah. That's just his job. Okay, and that part of the part of like a, a little thing on um, little icing on the cake is that now Cameron gets to be the sausage king of Chicago. Gotcha. Yes, while also exacting revenge. Um, <laughs> wow, that was a barrel. Yeah. That was a barrel of laughs. Yeah. What was the title again? Ferris Bueller. Uh, two Cameron's Revenge. Cameron's, Cameron's revenge. revenge. Okay. Yes. Ferris Bueller's Day Off Two. Cameron's Revenge. That's. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> uh, let's take it to the uh, to the studio exec, Mike. What do you think? I love it, guys. <laughs> it's exactly it's exactly what I was hoping for. Yeah, nice. I, I was particularly fond of the idea that he makes uh, Ferris's kids relive yeah. the events. <laughs> yeah, I, sold for sure. I really want to see this movie. <laughs> Oh wow! Well, write it and we'll pitch it. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Broderick doesn't do a lot anymore. He doesn't. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. And wow. Yeah. Um, all right. So is it is it my turn now? Yes, sir. All right, and uh, we're gonna have to kind of go a little quick here, but um, oh yeah. The <laughs> this one I'm not okay. Um, the Truman Show two sweeps week. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> now remember, The Truman Show was a comedy drama about a guy that lived that wasn't aware that he lived his life that his entire life was being documented for a reality mm-hmm. TV show. Really great movie. Um it ends with him, spoiler alert, leaving the set and finding his lost love who was exiled from mm-hmm. from his life. But it leaves on the note that he is the most recognizable person on the planet and will always be the most recognizable person on the planet. And now we go to the sequel. What do you guys got for me? So he has to balance the fact that he is the most recognizable person on the planet with the fact that while he was sleeping, living uh, on the Truman Show back in the constructed set, his what he thought was his home, 
they actually uh what are we going to call it harvested uh his his sperm and uh so his wife on the show is actually pregnant with his child wow <laughs> wow and so that yeah that that's their big ratings get is that they mm-hmm. they entice truman to come back onto the show to uh you know to to retrieve his his um his child his illegitimate child so what genre would this be it's a thriller i was gonna go sci-fi and okay he, he breaks out of the big dome that is the set to discover that the entire planet earth is actually a big set for uh an alien race who watches us all as a tv show Discuss it amongst yourselves. Mind blown. Yeah. (laughs) That's a long walk from the first one. (laughs) (laughs) Is it, though? Yeah, it is. It is. Wow. Sweeps week. Sweeps week. (laughs) And the aliens are deciding whether or not to keep the show on the air, in quotes, meaning... So say it again. So the aliens... He finds out that the that the planet Earth is actually the just, whole world is a show for aliens. It's an entire. It's a set. It's a movie. It's a TV show set that aliens built and they created humankind and put us on planet Earth and they watch us like a television show. I think yours is better. Let's go with <laughs> yours. <laughs> well, and of course, you know, this is about they decide that uh, you know um, they decide that the show is getting boring and they want to cancel it hence sweep weeks sweeps week and right. so uh uh truman has to work with the uh alien overlord who lives on planet earth and you know he's like the executive producer he's like the showrunner he's like he's like the vince gilligan of the aliens <laughs> and he runs he runs the show quote unquote and he teams up with truman because he's fallen in love with the human race and he doesn't want to see them die so they they team up to uh, thwart the alien, the oncoming okay. alien uh, attack. Right. There is a total destruction yes. planned. <laughs> and so Truman, being, of course, the most famous person in the history of the planet, uh, and also the one with the most experience um, being on a, on a show, yeah. and then also finding <laughs> out that he has been duped. So he leads the charge into outer space against these beings. He's kind of like Katniss Everdeen. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Wow. We also find that the creator of the Truman Show was just a lackey for the aliens. Like yes. he was, he was kind of in on the idea. Ed Harris was just a... Ed Harris's character, exactly. Yeah, he was just a lackey. A pawn, right. if you will. Mm. Yeah. So... He finds this out. Everybody bands together. We see, uh, we see a couple people. In fact, what what is his name? What is Ed Harris's name? Kristoff. Kristoff. Thank wow. you. Kristoff mm-hmm. is actually in the crew that goes up. Right. He he's kind of a double agent. We don't really know until the end of the movie. It's a it's a third act twist that he is in on it all along. So Kristoff, Truman, Truman's activist girlfriend. Uh, and actually his, his fake former wife and his, and his fake former friends, they kind of lead the charge along with, of course, some new characters, uh, into outer space to take down this ship. There's some just big action set pieces, some dog fights. Um, 
you know, when Truman is closing in on a victory, Kristoff kind of subverts um, his his plans. Things go awry. Uh, Truman makes something, um, gives us a line about how, you know, nobody should be filmed. No, nothing should be planned. We should be able, we should all be able to uh, have free will. And he, and he, of course, saves the day at the end. I think he saves the day. This is the climax. He saves the day in a kamikaze style run, sort of like uh, Independence Day with uh, Randy Quaid, with Randy Quaid's character. <laughs> but as he's wrecking the ship, he says, "Good afternoon, good evening, and good night." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the yeah. climax oh of the movie. Oh my god! <laughs> there you go. Oh wow. <laughs> What's the title again, Matt? Um, <laughs> the Truman Show 2 Sweeps Week. Sweeps Week. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Wow. Okay. So uh, are you pitching it to me now? Yep. That is so, so far from anything <laughs> that I would have imagined. Um, <laughs> I love it. Let's make this movie. Nice. Uh, when I pitched this, I, I just thought that, like, like if you think about it, if if I could be honest for a moment, if you think about the Truman Show, the way that it ends, like that invites itself to such a, a, a world of of um drama, and and like it it fascinates me to think like how could that character possibly function in the real world, and uh, now we know. So <laughs> so thank you guys. That is uh, yes. the Truman Show too. Sweeps week. Uh, Tiny. You're next? Uh, yes. <laughs> this is the third one. Uh, yes, this is the last round. This is my last one. Yeah, and this is also supposed to be the third entry in a franchise. Uh-huh. This is Speed 3 Pop Quizzes from Home. Pop Quizzes from Home. Interesting. Because remember I in the do... first one he says pop quiz hot yeah, shot. Pop right. quiz hot yeah. shot. Yeah. If I could for a moment, just as a brief aside, when I was when I was tr- trying to brainstorm sequel ideas, I was going to put in the in the pot chat to you guys, but I didn't get around to it. But I was like, you know, if you think about it, really, like speed two cruise control is basically like th- that would have been something that we made up here. Yeah. Like, oh then, yeah, it like is. Then, yeah. Well, my original title was Speed Three: Fuselage of Fury. <laughs> But that's too in the, in the thread of, in the vein of the first two movies. You know, okay. that's action thriller. So what was the title again? Uh, Pop quizzes from home. Pop quizzes from home. Speed three. Uh, Mike, what genre should we make this? Um, oh man, pop quizzes from home. Family, family. I drama. think it's a family picture. Yeah, hmm, okay. a family drama with uh, um, Keanu Reeves's character. Trying Keanu Reeves to, returns. He to returns. The yes. Of oh, no, of course. No Jason Patrick in this one. Yes. Um, he's struggling to. He's so amped from having killed um uh, Dennis Hopper in the first movie, and he's he's got again this this is a common thread in me. I don't know what this is coming back to. I don't know what this is saying about me, but he's so he's such an adrenaline fueled person that now he has to raise a family, but he's. He's tormented by the death of spoilers for speed, by the way. Um, he's tormented by the death of his friend, um, uh, 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 played by Jeff Daniels. Played by Jeff Daniels in the right. first movie, and so pop quizzes from home. Oh, I think I just thought of a different one midstream. Um, <laughs> midstream, midstream. <laughs> no, that would be too much like Cameron's Revenge. Okay, um, pop quizzes from home is that he's. 
I don't know. He's coaching his kids on how to how to pass a pop quiz. Mike, why don't you take the reins on this? I don't, I'm... <laughs> pop quizzes from home is a family picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Keanu Reeves' children, uh, <laughs> want, it, he is recently divorced, <clears throat> and his children want to participate in a, in a soapbox derby, okay. right? And so he's teaching them how to go fast in the soapbox derby. And, of course, he uh, re-meets up with Sandra Bullock's character, uh, who is also recently divorced from the guy in the second movie. Oh, yeah. uh, and th- so they, they kind of reconnect. Hmm. Well, that's lovely. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I had just, and this is, this is, uh, this isn't like, this is just a, a, we can go with your idea, but I just want to throw this out that, uh, Keanu Reeves finds out that his son has a pop quiz, but he, their alarm clock didn't go off. So he has to speed through town to get him to school in order to get to his pop quiz. Now nah, that doesn't make sense because pop quiz is from home. But I was thinking like the GPS keeps reconfiguring because he keeps doing detours. So he needs to go a certain speed. <laughs> Otherwise, he's not going to make it in time. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. Okay. I think that's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean that that's. I don't think there's really much else we can really dive into with this. What does? No, I think that was pretty good. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the climax? What's the what's the? Is it just man versus, you know, himself in getting in and his his vehicle, or is it? Does he stay in the vehicle, or does he have to go through? We can incorporate the soapbox derby thing by saying that he, the car breaks down at the top of a hill, and maybe they yes. Mean, yeah, <laughs> like the hill right yes. before the school, and uh, the kid needs to overcome his fear, I guess, of uh, of the soapbox derby thing. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, that works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a tough one. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, should we pitch it to the studio then? Yeah, I'll. Uh, I think it needs a little work. Yeah, <laughs> some script polishing. I think you're right. Let me tell you what I had in mind. Okay, yes. It was kind of like a mashup between Speed and the movie P.S. I Love You. So what happens? Okay. What happens is uh, Jack takes a, Jack takes a, you know the, from the first movie mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves takes a job as a uh, federal air marshal. Okay. And you know. To, to complete the trilogy, you think, oh man, he's gonna it's gonna be speed on plane, right? You know, because they already did they already did a bus mm-hmm. and they did a boat. Logically, the next one would be a plane, right? Right. But Jack knows it's gonna happen, so he knows that he's not gonna make it out this time because he's gotten too old. So he sets up all of these pop quizzes for his family to solve after his death. Jesus, in order to find their. Find their way back together because he, of course, he ends up marrying Sandra Bullock. Oh yeah, and they have some kids. But you know, throughout his traumatic career, they get divorced, and the, the whole family gets ripped apart. And sort of like, uh, sort of like all these other movies where they the, the person leaves behind something. He wants to leave behind all these pop quizzes to uh, bring his family back together, and they have to like travel around and go to mm-hmm. all these places. They solve the pop quiz, and it tells them where to go next for the next quiz. And it ends up bringing all of them together. Aww. It's like a family drama. <laughs> I don't know. That's beautiful. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> so that. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. 
That's what I was thinking. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Mike, is it you or? Yeah. I think it's me. Yeah. yeah. Mike. So I've got three left Jeez. and I'm trying to decide which one. <laughs> I'll tell you what, instead of doing like the two at the end, I'll, I'll give you all three names and you guys pick the one you want to go with. Okay. How about that? Sure. I like it. Okay. The first one is, uh, the sequel to the Tom Hanks hit that thing you do called that thing we did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's the one I I pitched in our pod chat this morning. True Grit Two Roosters Cockadoodle Do. <laughs> and then uh, I, I had two names for this one: Return to Shawshank or uh, Sewatane Redemption. Oh my God, uh, Tiny! What do you think? Because I'm only really I'm most familiar with the with. Shawshank, obviously. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Shawshank. I haven't seen that thing you do, Mike. I'm sorry. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so first, tiny. What what title should we go with? With with uh, Return to (sighs) Shawshank or Zewataneo Redemption? Was that the title? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'd say, I'd say Zewataneo Redemption. Thank you. Uh, let's, let me, I have, I have a pitch for a plot. Um, okay. I I don't know what genre this would be. Maybe thriller, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe an odd couple style comedy. But since Red and Andy are, are two outlaws, like they're, they're two fugitives. They have, they can't, they can't befriend anyone else. So they've lived their entire lives in each other's company and now it's reached a point where they fucking hate each other so much. <laughs> Jeez. So, so one of those, so it, it kind of births a lot of, uh, of conflict. Like the conflict between them turns farcical and, uh, and turns into a big comedy where they're, they're like drawing, <laughs> they draw, they draw a line in the sand to divide up the beach between the two of them. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> and they just keep getting into little squabbles with each other <laughs> because they can't stand the side of each other. But the tragedy is that they can't they can't break out. They can't redeem right. themselves of this because they're stuck with each other. Um <laughs> what, what Tiny, what do you think? It's it's too much like the odd couple. <laughs> It is. Uh, yes, Zewataneo Redemption is slightly derivative. <laughs> <laughs> that is like the odd couple. Um, yeah. That's pretty good, though. That's funny. So, what would the uh, what would more of the conflict be? Okay, so we um, have the basic premise, and the basic premise borrows heavily from from a classic comedy. <laughs> so, how do we differentiate at that? Some of the conflict is that uh, Red just keeps buying things for the for their fishing. Business because, because he's, he's a man, a man who, knows who knows how to get things. <laughs> but now that he has money and has a budget, he's just like I can. I just can get everything right. and just gets everything, and, and it starts to piss off Andy because he's the company's running out of money. And Andy's like an accountant, so exactly. he's, he's like very conscious of his money. Yes, 
Oh my god, that is brilliant. <laughs> that's I where love we, that. That's where the conflict stems from. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay, so what's the resolution? What's what's the big climax? What's the big the big moment that they like what's the big deciding factor that causes this rift? What is what is it that Red wants so badly that Andy just says, No, we can't afford this. We're they're basically a married couple and they're dividing up they have a joint account because they don't have any other way of making money. <laughs> um Right when they're in the middle of having their biggest throwdown fight and their hands are literally at each other's necks, <laughs> Rita Hayworth walks in on vacation and wants to go fishing. <laughs> and it makes oh, them think of the man. poster. Because <laughs> it would probably be oh, 50s, man. 60s at the time. Yeah, because he was there for about 20 years. Uh, yeah. And Rita Hayworth, yeah, it'd be about 20 I don't know. If she, I don't know when Rita Hayworth passed away. Uh, uh, creative license, artistic license. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah. <laughs> And so that reminds them of the good times. Yeah, the good times each... they had in prison. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds them of why they're there. Wow. Yeah. And that's um, how the conflict resolves. Okay. One bit of comedy that they... Uh, one bit of... And this might be a little... It is dark. a comedy, right? Yeah, I think... It's I think a comedy. Yeah, like, like the comedy. odd couple. Yeah. Yeah. One one just bit of comedy to throw in there at some point. Um they're living on the beach, but they uh, they kind of like maybe they they use like public restrooms like uh, at one of the establishments on, in in inland a little bit. Mm -hmm. So they go and uh, they don't have like cell phones or anything like that, or they don't have anything to occupy their time. So um, Red goes into uh, let's let's say Andy goes into a restroom shortly after Red has been in there, and he sees that he's carved Red was here. Mm -hmm. And uh, it freaks him out because he remembers Brooks. Um, but then, then they just realize, like, oh no, I'm just, I was just bored. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that that's just a, a bit of comedy to throw in there. So, nice. do we have a movie? Anything else we need to dig into, or should we pitch it to the studio? Pitch it to the studio. Mike, what do you think of the Zewatineho Redemption? Uh, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll. Uh, sold if you can get the original cast back. I, okay, I think we can. Swim if we can get I, yeah. Tim Robbins and Morgan yeah. Freeman, I'm in. I think if I think it, all we need to do is just show them the storyboards of Red drawing a line in the sand between the two of them. I mm -hmm. think that we can get them back. <laughs> be no problem. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> wow. So yeah, that's the that's the Zewatineo Redemption. I, I like it. That's I like funny. it. Um, it. Whose turn is it? Is it? Is this my last? Am yeah, I, I, I think it's yours. I'm close, ending it. Closing us out. All right. Well, uh, this one is Little Giants Two Gridiron Reunion. <laughs> God, what do you guys got for me? Wow. All right. So it was a family sports movie. Mm -hmm. It's now a teen it's, sex comedy. It's a heist <laughs> movie. A heist movie. They get back together to pull a heist. Okay. But what are they trying to steal? Um, They're trying to steal... Uh, I don't remember Little Giants at all. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Um, gosh, uh, they're trying to steal the... Rick Moranis, right? Is he? Yeah. Yeah. He's the he's the dad. So though. Rick Moranis for has for our listeners who haven't seen Little Giants. Little Giants uh, is Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill are two uh, brothers who are um, uh, uh, compete like they they kind of have a grudge against each other. Each other. Uh, Ed O'Neill is the coach of a, of a very pristine 
uh, Pee Wee football team. And Rick Moranis takes the misfits that didn't make the cut and he creates their own team. And uh, that leads to a scrimmage that has the town um, dividing between them. Yeah. Okay. uh, Yeah, it is a heist. Uh, Ed O'Neill's character uh, has hit it big in the the internet uh, in internet companies in internet stock right he made a bunch of money remember that uh, he was a uh, former football player sorry yeah in the in the mid 2000s okay? okay yeah and so he has continued despite whatever happens at the end of little giants i don't remember he has continued to uh berate and demean rick moranis's character um and so Rick Moranis is facing dire straits, and so he decides that um, to exact revenge and also to pay off his debts, he has to get his uh, his young football team together around the same time of their high school reunion to um, rip off Ed O'Neill's character. <laughs> nice. It's like it's like Ocean's Twelve. Where they get together. Yeah. yeah, it's like Ocean's 12. Exactly. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and go. they do. <laughs> <laughs> and they rip him off. Nice. They win. All right. So are you going to pitch it to me then? Is that any more you need to need to tap into there? Or do we have a movie? Well, of course, we have a movie. of course, all, all the all the characters play their respective roles. You know, like mm. uh, right. Icebox is like the Grease Man. <laughs> who breaks in and does the hard hardcore stuff and there's the uh-huh. really the really smart kid who does all the computer stuff and and like figures out all the physics of it and everything. Okay. Um uh, Yeah. What about uh Devin Sawa? What's his Devin Sawa is like the debonair con man. He's kind of like uh kind of like Brad Pitt. He shows up at the okay. end and he he's like playing a character and it's like What is he, Devin like, Sawa up to? Oof. He's alive, apparently. Yeah, uh, his career isn't <laughs> right, but I don't know. I don't think he's. I, don't, I haven't seen him in anything. Yeah, in a while. I don't know either. Yeah. So yeah, that's Little Giants. Two. Gridiron Reunion. Gridiron Reunion. That's yeah. There you go. It's a heist um, movie. I like it. I like it. I wasn't expecting a heist movie out of you guys. I got to be honest. I. Uh, what did you have in mind? Kind of pitched it as a. Uh, uh, let's see. I, you know. I didn't really have anything in mind when I came up with the title. That was the one I was really struggling with. But um, off the top of my head, I would say that Gridiron Reunion would be um, the kids' um, teen sex comedy with overbearing parents who try to relive their uh, their big moment where they where they reconciled their uh, sibling rivalry through uh, uh, vicariously through kids, but. In order to get like they they want to get them get them together for a gimmicky like oh this is a this is a reunion like this is a replaying this with all the same kids but all the kids are just really horned up and and really <laughs> anxious about that like there was a little bit of that with uh, Devin Sawa yeah his character but it's like these are like their like hormones are fully in in uh, like full full blown and they uh, they don't really care about the football yeah um yeah but I like you get I, I, I like the heist. Yeah, like ours is better. Yeah, def- <laughs> definitely. So to wrap up, I have not been writing down the titles of these. So, um, <laughs> Titanic two, Barnacles from Hell. Yes, Tiny. What was your first one? We got that was it. Oh yeah, that one. Okay, let's. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh let's just re let's just 
re- uh, recite the names in order from when we said it. So like I'll I'll get us kicked off. Accepted to the South Harmon massacre, and then Tiny, what was your first one? Titanic two, Barnacles from Hell, and Mike. Um, rent to the streets, <laughs> <laughs> and I had the Truman Show two sweeps week. Uh, two Forest, two Gump. <laughs> And uh, Ferris Bueller 2, Cameron's Revenge. <laughs> I had Little Giants 2, Gridiron Reunion. Uh, Speed 3, Pop Quizzes from Home. <laughs> and, uh, and I had uh, Sewatanao Redemption. Nice. <laughs> so the, I think we've got... I think I think we rival uh, Marvel's Phase 3 with this, with this lineup, guys. Oh, totally. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Good job. Good job all around. Tell us, uh, listeners... <laughs> Tell us what your favorite of these of these setups were, and uh, tell us what you would um, what you would have pitched in our stead. <laughs> I just sorry, I just picturing a line where where uh, someone's like, "I have an army, I have a shrimp." <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I have a shrimp. I got a shrimp. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I don't that's know. Awesome. That's stupid. It's something. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, uh, before we go on to potpourri, we're gonna do we're gonna do a potpourri, right, guys? You guys yeah. up for it? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, um, before we get to that, I just want to say that I tweeted this out earlier today, and I was really proud of it. But um, the tweet was, um, let me let me look it up to make sure that I get it right. But the tweet was while while kind of brainstorming this this uh, this episode, the tweet was. If they make a sequel to Big Hero 6, it should just be about a tall guy who saves San Francisco from a villain. Big Hero 6-2. Um, I was really proud of oh, that. Oh, man. Yeah. Right? Right? That's something. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, and, then, and then someone replied with, no, you need to be off the internet now. Um, <laughs> and, then, uh, and then my reply was, what about 7-2, the world's tallest serial killer? Um, <laughs> crickets so yeah <laughs> so that those were kind of alternates for me but anyway um let's go to potpourri but before that i'm going to play this promo for sharktober Irvington. join the obsessive viewer podcast on october 16th 2015 at the irving theater in indianapolis for the obsessive viewer presents sharktober in irvington part two It's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local artists J.P. Leck and Synapshot Productions. There will be giveaways, raffles, interviews with the filmmakers, and so much more. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. Go to shocktoberinirvington.com for more details. And prepare to be shocked. Are we ready for Potpourri, guys? Yeah. It's good promo. It's good uh, promo. Yes. Thank you to JP Leck from Elsewhere World uh, for providing that awesome promo for us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, this is Potpourri. This is the section of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want, as long as it smells good. Um, you know, Mike, when when you left the podcast on, on your sabbatical, uh, when I was going through the um, – through the episodes looking for clips to put into the uh, farewell montage that I, I'm sure that you've listened to so yet. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, I, I realized What episode that, was that in? That was your last episode at the end. The farewell montage? Yeah. I guess I didn't listen to that one. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, 
totally, totally uh, uh, guilt trip you for that for for months. But um, I mean, I watched the first, or I listened to the first couple without me. Huh, that's weird. Well, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, uh, what I realized was that you actually coined the uh, the whatever we want as long as it smells good. Um, oh, yeah. Nice. So good job. So anyway, um, for potpourri, uh, why don't uh, I guess I can get us kicked off if you guys don't mind? Yeah. Um, let's see. I I mean I have a couple things I could bring up, uh, but. I'll just bring up one thing, but before that, I will bring up that tiny. I watched Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, and uh, um, <laughs> it was not good. It was <laughs> so not good. Um, oh dear. Yeah, seeing. I mean, just it was offensively bad. Just from, like, from the standpoint of you know, every standpoint. Every standpoint. Like if yeah. you if you were to say that Twilight was glorifying abusive relationships and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, like you said in two episodes ago or a couple episodes ago, um, the glorification of their relationship or whatever was like, it was like it was under the guise of being this BDSM thing, which, you know, whatever floats your boat, but that did not play out like that. No. It, like it was, it was very much a kind of, controlling kind of relationship standard thing but i will say that uh the scene where they negotiate the contract and uh she's kind of yeah like she's kind of you know they're going through point by point i was like that actually put, puts it from a 2.5 to probably a 3 or 3.5 for me that was actually a little funny yeah, yeah i i enjoyed that and i did devil's advocate i actually did appreciate her growth like she she wasn't just a uh like she 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 grew reasonably well enough throughout the movie like she she didn't put up with like his 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 crap she um, grew i think yeah. is all you can really say yeah, yeah i don't know about reasonably well right well i mean there was there I know, was some I'm, growth I'm kidding. as opposed to bella um yeah like there was some character growth in her and like she she wasn't just like the helpless like oh he's so i'm swooning she was like that a lot but yeah. i don't know it was an awful movie i'm never going to watch it again unless you guys want to record a commentary track for it which <laughs> i would totally be up for oh my um, god <laughs> um but the main thing i want to bring up for potpourri if you guys don't mind is uh seinfeld Hmm. At the end of June, it appeared on Hulu Plus for like the entire series, and I, I've been listening to some old episodes that we've done, and I think it was the Bottle Episodes episode, wow, of uh, the podcast where I mentioned like like I think Mike, you brought up the Chinese restaurant for that episode, and then you also brought up the parking garage episode, and uh, and I remember I, or in that episode I said if that ever comes on Netflix or whatever, I'm gonna watch all of it. So. I haven't watched all of it. I've, I'm like halfway through season three, and so I've seen both those episodes, the the um, parking garage and the Chinese restaurant. And man, the okay, the writing is so so amazing. It's so great. It's it's really great, and I love the like I'm I'm appreciating it from a performing level like i'm appreciating the the physical comedy of michael richards and everything like that basically what i'm saying is i'm really i'm really digging the show i'm i'm not trying to preface uh-huh. this as that but i will say that and this is like i almost tweeted this out but then i uh then i reeled it back and i kind of i kind of in the course of watching this i kind of found a middle ground here but first of all i i i'm struggling to find a, a an actor on tv that is like 
as bad of an actor as Jerry Seinfeld in Seinfeld. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. good. He's awful. But I reconciled that by by realizing like, okay, well, he's a stand-up. And like the, the, the thing that bothers me about him, like the thing that gets under my skin when I see him in the show is that he'll deliver a line, but he'll kind of smirk at it a little bit. Like yes. he'll kind of – it's like it's like this this reflex thing. But And then I'm like – like at first I was like that's so off-putting and that's so annoying and uh but then I was like well he's a stand-up he's you know he's used to performing in front of a crowd and like feeding in like having an interactive crowd and everything like that so I mean maybe that's just a reflex and I'm sure that they worked on it throughout the throughout the course of the show but it's uh about midway through season 3 it's 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 either not bothering me as much or it's um it's settled down enough to where it's not really registering with me, but really that's honestly, that's probably my only real complaint about it. I'm really enjoying myself. Um, I will say some of the setups and some of the, some of the conflicts are a little, I don't know. One of my, like, uh, I'm thinking of the episode with, uh, the, was it the pony where, where, uh, Jerry says something about people who have ponies or have horses and yeah. then the person that he offended someone and she died. And so he has this big thing like he's like, should I go to the funeral? Because I did that. And I was like, it seemed like a weak premise and it didn't really make me like I was like, OK, you're kind of it's a step beyond neuroses for him because it's like, OK, you don't have any obligation to go to this funeral and it's all in your head. And it's it's not even portrayed that way. It's just it kind of felt a little manufactured, but. I mean that's nitpicking at best. I still enjoyed the episode, and that's really the only time that I've had that that kind of problem with it. But um, overall, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, it, I'm not. It's it's not better than Friends for me, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm appreciating its standing as uh, one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, and I'm enjoying the. I'm enjoying that Hulu has provided me the opportunity to watch it. Good. So, I, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, yeah. He definitely gets better. I'll say that. Nice. And I also I find the his little smirk thing endearing. Really? Um, yeah, I do. I I agree. I think it is uh, amateurish, mm-hmm. but I also think there's a there's a realism in that this is kind of, that's kind of how he communicates with his friends. Okay. And so I kind of enjoyed the idea. It it added a bit of realism, for better or worse, for me that he would smirk after delivering a line. Okay. I you know, just he's smirking after a joke. It's not that he would say something that wasn't funny and then smirk. You know, right? That kind of it. It kind of reminds me of like uh, uh, SNL. Like when I would see, I didn't really watch it that much or anything, but like. Uh, what is um um Jimmy Fallon? No, actually no. Uh, Seth Meyers, uh, when oh. he would do uh, Weekend Update, like he'd be he'd say a joke or whatever, and then he'd just grin like so like so wide. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't like him. I decided. Yeah, that that one thing was off putting enough for me. And knowing that he was like the head writer of SNL at the time, I was like, okay, that's that's. Uh, I mean, I don't I don't think that he wrote Weekend Update or anything, but it was just kind of like okay, you know downplay that a little bit but again this is all minor nitpicking at best i'm really enjoying seinfeld and so yeah well good yeah yeah and I th- i'm not, i have i haven't watched a ton of seinfeld i've watched enough of it but like i think jerry seinfeld was aware of the fact that he was not good and he was not right. a good actor and he being self-aware he 
I think he sort of he, he kind of he he would sort of get out of the way of the other actors sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know a lot of the, a lot of the storylines are about the other characters. Um, you know he he would kind of fall to the background sometimes, which mm-hmm. I think again was a good thing because he was kind of the he was the weakest actor on the show. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I, I haven't watched her. I really haven't watched enough to really have yeah. a solid opinion on Seinfeld. But hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, there was oh, <laughs> I don't remember if I mentioned this or not on a previous episode. But there was an episode where uh, the episode with the uh, the tape where um, George George devises this plan to change a tape uh, on the girl that he's dating's answering machine because he called her and left her numerous voice or, or uh, voicemails, I guess would still be the name um, uh, messages on the answering machine. And uh, like that episode, and this might be saying a lot about me, but that episode, like I like George's arc throughout that entire episode really resonated with me and my personal experiences mm-hmm. with, with relationships and stuff because he got in his head so much and at the end, like it, it didn't. None of it mattered at all. Yeah. And uh, like his, like that, like I really identify. I found a kindred spirit in George uh, Costanza in that episode. Um, yeah. But but anyway, yeah. Uh, that's my potpourri. Um, who wants to go next? I can go. Uh, yeah. Do okay. Um, there's a really good movie on Netflix Instant right now. Written and directed by a guy named Riley Stearns. I don't know. Nice. I've never heard of him before. Uh, the movie's called Faults, mm-hmm. uh, as in it was my fault. Um, it's really clever, well-done movie. Uh, it's about um, Leland Orser is the lead uh, the lead actor uh, who is famous for being a character actor. Mm-hmm. Um he, I, I'm not sure. I've never seen him as a lead before, but he was the lead in this. Um, he, he's, you've seen him before. He's been in so many different movies. Um, Leland Orser is the lead, and uh, the female lead is uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And uh, it's he, Leland Orser plays like one of the leading experts in the world on um, cults and mind control, and how cult leaders use mind control to keep people in their, you know, in their faith, if you will. Um, and this girl, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, her parents uh, come to him because she's been drawn in by a cult, and they they offer him money to uh, get her out of this cult. And it just kind of goes from there. Um, and and uh, Leland Orser's character is like really down and out, like he's divorced and he doesn't have any money. He's broke. Um, it's almost it's really to a comic level how how desperate the guy is. Um, yeah, it's. Man, I, I I don't want to go into any more detail because you just you got to watch it. It's uh it's ninety minutes and it really kind of feels like ninety minutes. Like it's it feels kind of quick, mm-hmm. but I don't think they really need to, needed to draw anything else out. Um, it just has this really this really eerie, mysterious feel to it throughout it. Like you know, there's something going on uh, in the background, or there's something is not as it seems, and. It's really just kind of it kind of throws you off. You're just not sure what it is. Um, it has some twisty stuff to it. Uh, I, I would go into more detail, but again, I just I think you need to see it. I don't want to spoil anything. It's it's just a really clever movie, and it's about a disturbing subject that you know it's not something we really think about all that often. You know how how cults work, um, but this explores that notion, and it's it's disturbing and awesome and pretty uh pretty breathtaking all at the same time the performances are phenomenal uh both both the 
male and female lead, uh, Leland Orson and Mary Elizabeth Winstead are just unbelievably good. Um, nice. Great script, good directing. Um, it's got some cool, it just, it's just a cool setting has a really, uh, um, a very effective setting for, for the plot, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just a really well done movie. Um, I had never heard of it until, uh, shout out to a, a guy I used to work with named Josh. He told me about it. Um, hmm. and he, he really sold it and I was like, I need to see that. And he was right. It's, it's a really good movie. How, uh, a couple things. One, I've, that's been on my radar because mm-hmm. a couple podcasts I listen to have had episodes about it and I'm, in this funk where basically if I if it like I listen to a lot of movie podcasts like uh shout out to Junk Show Cinema and uh uh slash filmcast and now playing and all that, but um Faults is one that was covered on a couple of podcasts. I think uh um Cinema Rolls podcast actually did it too. They're they're kind of uh hopefully they're coming back soon. But anyway, um so that's been on my on my radar and I believe that Riley Stearns was once married to Mary Elizabeth Winstead or is Claire oh, really? married to her? But yeah, anyway, um, that's really interesting. And I have a question for you. Yeah. How does its depiction of cults and stuff like that compare to, um, uh, um, uh, uh the one with, um, Elizabeth Olsen, Mary, Oh, Mag- Martha May, Marcy Marlene. There you go. Yeah. Um, they're kind of similar. I mean, uh, the faults is a little more psychological mm-hmm. and it's less, um, it's less thrillerish, I guess. Okay. It's more, um, it's more uh, a dialogue-driven movie. Okay. As opposed nice. to like, you know, things going on beneath the surface. It's much more, it's much more in your face. Okay. Um, and it's 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 not not as subtle as as faults is not as subtle as Martha Marcy Me Marlene. Okay. Um, but I I'd, I'd say the act acting is on par with. The, the the acting in both movies are kind of on par. Um, just really nice. good performances, nice. especially from the the female leads. Cool. And yeah. um, Leland Orser, he's he's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to bogart your potpourri or anything, mm-hmm. but um, I'm I'm liking that he has done more recently, and he's more yeah because he's I mean he is a figure in some of my most is some of my favorite and most disturbing scenes in mm-hmm. like the nineties movies, like seven, his scene in seven. Jesus yeah, it's Christ. That, that scene, it is amazing what he does in those like minute and 30 seconds in that movie. <sighs> Just what he's capable of achieving in short bursts, yeah. short scenes. He's like a, He's like a sprinter actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, he's just so diverse and has so much range. Yeah. Mike, have you seen Faults or have anything to say about Leland? I Mercer? haven't even heard of it. Nice. Until now. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um what do you got for Potpourri then? Uh I'll keep mine short, both because we're running long and I'm yeah. kinda running out of steam. Uh <laughs> I saw Annie Hall for the first time. Oh wow, for nice. the first time. Yeah, in fact it was my first um uh, Woody Allen movie, hmm. uh, ever actually. Wow, I think it was my first too. What'd you think of it? Um, it was pretty good. It it. Uh, I don't think I'm a Woody Allen fan. I like. I know the point is that he's whiny, but I it was just too whiny. I just hated him so much, and I <laughs> and I don't know. Like, if I would have seen it back then, are you supposed to kind of sympathize with this character, or? Are you just supposed to hate it? Hmm. I think you're supposed to associate with it a little bit, maybe. Yeah, I think it's supposed oh, to be man. relatable. I just hate him so much. 
Yeah. I think he's, uh, I know what you're saying. I think Woody Allen characters, or he kind of plays himself in a way, uh, he's just like a little bit too stereotypical, kind of like a stereotypical, kind of like East Coast Jewish guy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Super neurotic and self-conscious and right. just, just to, 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 uh, to an unrelatable extreme, I guess. Yeah. I, I can see where you're coming from, but I still think his, his comedy is really pretty top notch in my opinion. I, I appreciated the writing. I, I, I really liked, I, yeah. like, I don't, I don't revere it as much as like everyone seems to. I've only seen it once, so it's pending a rewatch, but, um, I enjoyed the writing. I really liked the way it opened with him just kind of talking, talking to the audience and introing it. I liked yeah. his, I liked, I liked his energy there, like that, like that neuro, that neurotic kind of, uh, kind of heartbroken energy or he's trying to work things out and that's something that's relatable to pretty much anyone that's watching it really um but i mean as the resonant rom-com fan here um maybe it's a point that I've, i i saw it late and i didn't like grow up watching it or anything like that but i mean uh-huh. i don't i i wouldn't rank it high as as that i wouldn't rank it as high in on the rom-com level as as many other people do yeah but i do think woody owns an acquired taste yeah i uh, yeah i think so too i would i would accredit it with uh as well as diane keaton as sort of uh the genesis of a, a certain type of character kind of like the the ideal like the manic pixie dream girl manic pixie dream girl yeah, yeah. i didn't want to use the term but right yeah i mean that's that's really i don't even is. think that was coined until yeah uh, a, a film critic coined it, like yeah, early two thousands, I think. But, right, but um, she she's the genesis of that, and I think she's yeah. kind of the the purest form of it, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, I think a lot of other romantic female leads have been following in that character's footsteps for the past, you know, forty forty plus years. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I give it credit for that, but yeah, I think it's a good movie. Yeah, it is. It is good. I went through a kind of a. A Woody Allen, not phase, but I, I was kind of going through a bunch of Woody Allen movies, but um, and I mean, I I I didn't I didn't hit like all the major ones or like the ones that I I needed to see, but uh, I did see like like there was one that he did with um, uh, uh Jason Biggs that was kind of just okay, but um, he it, it is that that style does permeate through through the rest of it through the movies that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, and he's, he's a bit diverse as a writer director too. You, Mike, you might enjoy some of his straight dramatic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he has okay. a few, a few movies that are not, not even remotely funny. Um, <laughs> they're, they're about murder and stuff. Uh, they're, they're pretty disturbing, but they're written so well and there's pretty solid performances and they're kind of Shakespearean in a way mm-hmm. you might, you might like some of those. I can't think gotcha. of the titles off the top of my head. Um, yeah. yeah. By the um, way, Nathan Rabin or I was Rabin? Just about to bring that up. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Invented Manic Pixie Dream Girl in yeah. 2007. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he he used the he coined the term after observing Kirsten Dunst's character in Elizabethtown. He described yes. her as uh, that bum- bubbly, shallow, cinematic creature that exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah. that's the manic pixie dream girl. Um, yeah. 
Well, does that wrap it up? I think so. I think that's I the think end so. of uh, OV-121. Fake movie sequels. <laughs> uh, once again, uh, let us know what you think of, of our fake movie sequels. Would you go see the Zay Wataneho uh, Redemption or uh, Ferris Bueller 2, Cameron's Revenge, or any <laughs> of the other movies we pitched? Uh, just so you know where to find us. We'll hit the pre-recorded outros until... Uh, until next week, uh, have a good one, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. I mean, that's nitpicking at best. I still enjoyed the episode, and that's really the only time that I've had that that kind of problem with it. But um, overall, I'm really enjoying it. I'm, I'm... Mike got so offended. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. That's fine. Where did I lose you? Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessive viewer at obsessive tiny and at I am Mike white. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other. <laughs>